For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles. Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you. The mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world had been hid in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. Deke Mboitina, Iyudi son Laka, Njang Gafom, Nibobuti, Mahayudafom, Nabokun, Ayo Christo Jamani. Kakisa Bushi Alekira Barasu Barasubo Yemelaina Ilama Angusuni. Selon le dessein éternel qu'il a mis à exécution par Jésus Christ notre Seigneur, en qui nous avons par la foi en lui la liberté de nous approcher de Dieu avec confiance. So I ask you, not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family on heaven and on earth is named. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love. May have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power of work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Boy, it's a blessing to see some of those faces who are not able to be with us in this auditorium, but they're, they're watching online. They're still our church um, who are serving alongside of us together. I was ready to preach, y'all. I forgot about the video. I'm ready to go. We hear about missions. We hear from, from Ed with that fantastic reminder, that old rugged cross. I'm going to talk to us about today about, about sacrifice, about the idea of being a prisoner. Take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. <clears throat> Very simply, I want for us to read the first few words that we find there. By the way, I hope you're, you're, you're moving along with us and memorizing uh, Ephesians. 
And um, I, uh, I know that for me, I, I've, I've memorized, I can't tell you I've memorized the whole thing so far. I wish I could, but I'm memorizing as we go along, as I, as I can. Look at those first words there. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. Now, next week when we come together, we're going to get into the, the for this reason and the, and the other words there of on behalf of you Gentiles. But for today, I just want to focus on that one little phrase right in the middle that says, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I just want us to talk about this idea of, of Paul being a prisoner for just a few moments. You think about a prisoner, you kind of think, okay, well, that's, a, that's, a, that's a bad person, right? Somebody that's done something wrong. Well, Paul's not a bad person. He's, he's a good guy, right? Yeah, he is. Let's, let's break this apart here some. If you, look at, um, if you look at the time in which Paul wrote the book of Ephesians, where is he at? Say it out loud. He's in jail, right? He's a prisoner. He is a prisoner awaiting his trial, and ultimately he's awaiting his death. I want you to take your Bibles and turn over to Acts chapter 21, okay? Because we're going to be there here in just a moment, but I'll lead up to that by going to Acts 20 for just a moment. Um, in Acts 20, Paul has been on a journey where he's visited many churches that he's planted, and uh, he's teaching, he's encouraging the believers in those churches. But his heart is in Jerusalem, and it's to Jerusalem that he wants to go. And so at the end of Acts chapter 20, you see him set sail for Jerusalem. In particular, it says that he wants to be there on the day of Pentecost. You get to Acts chapter 21, and, and you see a, a prophet by the name of Agabus. Agabus comes into the room, and he binds his hands together. And he predicts that Paul's going to get to Jerusalem, and Paul is going to be imprisoned in Jerusalem, and he's going to be taken captive by the Romans. So immediately, Paul's friends jump in with, don't go to Jerusalem, don't go to Jerusalem. And you can imagine if you're a friend of Paul, you're going, hey, listen, let's, let's go another way. Let's go any other city, any, anywhere else except for Jerusalem. But Paul says, no. You see, Paul knew that he had to obey God, and God had told him to go to Jerusalem. So he's going to Jerusalem. The, the, the friend's response, uh, his response to his friends is simply this in verse 13 of Acts chapter 21. He says, what are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. See, Paul's attitude was that he knew that he was not his own. He knew that he had been bought with a price. Ed sang about that song, The Old Rugged Cross. Jesus had bought him. He belonged to Jesus. He had given himself to Jesus. Paul has already died to himself, and he's given that life to Jesus. So whatever Jesus decides to do is okay with him. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 is a verse that you probably know. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. This is Paul speaking, okay? He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live I, in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So Paul's already dead to himself. His life his very life, every bit of who he is, is in the hands of Jesus. So why would he run from something that he knows that Jesus has got laid out for him? Paul being dead to himself already is why he's able to say in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, he says, for me to live is Christ, oh, but to die is gain. In other words, he's saying, hey, how can I lose? How can I lose no matter what comes up in life? How can I lose? So because this is Paul's perspective on life, he takes off for Jerusalem 
just like Jesus had been leading him to do. This is where we pick up the story in Acts chapter 21, starting in verse 27. So let's read along. Verse 27. When the seven days were almost completed, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him. Now pause there for just a second, okay? You know what does it say there, the Jews from Jerusalem? Who's it say? The Jews from Asia. All right, these are Jews from the areas where Paul has planted these churches. And so they're the ones who are stirring up this crowd in Jerusalem. They're saying in verse 28, men of Israel, help. This is the man who is teaching everyone everywhere against the people and the law and this place. He's talking specifically about the temple. Moreover, he even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, with him in the city. And they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. All right, Paul's there again for just another moment. That last accusation is absolutely not true. Yes, Paul has gone and taught everyone everywhere all throughout Asia as much as he can, bringing them to the gospel. Yes, that's absolutely true. But this last accusation they bring is not true. They suppose that Paul had brought this Greek, this Gentile, into the temple. But there's no proof. In fact, every single occurrence that we see all throughout Paul's life of him interacting with the temple was with with, with respect. He loved the temple. In fact, before he was saved, he committed himself fully to the things of God and learning in the temple and the worship of God, the purity of the Jewish faith. He's not going to defile the temple, but we continue reading verse 30. Then all the city was stirred up and the people ran together. They seized Paul and dragged him out of the temple and at once the gates were shut. And as they were seeking to kill him, word came to the tribune of the cohort. So word came to the Roman military commander that all Jerusalem was in confusion. He at once took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the tribune and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Then the tribune came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. He inquired who he was and what he had done. Some in the crowd were shouting one thing, some another. And as he could not learn the facts because of the uproar, he ordered him to be brought into the barracks. And when he came to the steps, he was actually carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the crowd, for the mob of the people followed, crying out, away with him. So Paul has been now arrested, and he is a prisoner. Next week when we come together, we're going to look at the response that Paul gives in his defense, because it plays into what we find here in Ephesians chapter 3. But for just a few moments, I want to talk very specifically about what it means to be a prisoner of Jesus Christ. A prisoner of Jesus Christ, because that's the words we see right there in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. He says, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Now, Paul's very clear there who he's a prisoner to. He's, he, he, did not, he did not say, I'm a prisoner to the Romans, even though they were the ones who had put him in the chains, right? He, he didn't say, I'm a prisoner because the Jews hated me. No, he says, I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus. John MacArthur makes this comment about this particular phrase. He says, Paul was a minister of Christ, or excuse me, of Jesus Christ, bought with a price and given the special mission of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. He was therefore the prisoner of Jesus Christ. Whatever he did and wherever he went were under Christ's control. Without his Lord's consent, he was no subject to the plans, power, punishment, or imprisonment of any man or government. Folks, if we truly believe in the sovereignty of God, 
And if we are totally and completely sold out to whatever it is that God calls us to do, then wherever we go and whatever we do, we are under God's control. That's how it was with Paul. It's absolutely accurate to say that nothing happened to Paul without God knowing about it. And even deeper than that, nothing happened to Paul without God allowing it to happen. Now, we hear a lot of the good stuff that Paul did throughout his life. He planted all these churches, all these people come to know Christ. He had the the opportunity to encourage countless believers. But you also hear about the bad things that happened with Paul. In fact, Paul wrote about these bad things in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. You know why it wasn't 40? Because it was widely believed that 40 lashes itself would kill a person. So why 40 less one? Oh, they didn't want to kill him. They just wanted to maim him. Five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. In toil and hardship through many a sleepless night. In hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Folks, when you are a prisoner of Jesus, God is going to allow things to happen to you, but he's also going to allow things to happen for you that are ultimately for his good, for your good, excuse me, and for his glory. When you're a prisoner of Jesus... You're going to find that through the good times and through the bad times, he is there and he is faithful and he will walk with you through those times. Now, we are all, every single one of us, we are a prisoner to something or someone. Did you know that? We're a prisoner to something or someone. So here's an important question that all of us have got to seek to answer. What is it that I'm a prisoner to? What is it that I'm a prisoner to? And let's be honest here, it could be any number of things. It could be that you are a prisoner to pain. And that could be physical pain. It could be emotional pain. It could be the hurt of something that's happened in your life. But you're a prisoner to that pain. In fact, you focus so much on that pain that it has enslaved you. Uh, Some people are prisoners to their vocation. Their job means so much to them that they are prisoners to that job. Some Some people are prisoners to relationships. You know, that that relationship controls them to the point that they are dominated by that relationship. Listen, being a prisoner to something or someone doesn't always mean incarceration in the county jail. In fact, you may never see the inside of a jail cell, and you could be very much as much a prisoner as a person who is in a jail cell. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul talks about a thorn in the flesh that plagues him. Even though we don't know what that thorn in the flesh is, it's something that's difficult about his life. And listen, Paul could easily have become a prisoner to whatever that thorn in the flesh was. Oh, this thing is killing me. Oh, I focus. you focus on that so much to where that becomes what enslaves you. Could have been that way for him. But instead, here's what he says. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But here's what he said. Here's what God said to Paul. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content 
with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am, say it, strong. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Folks, Paul was not a prisoner to his circumstances. On the contrary, Paul was a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and in whatever hardship he experienced, he simply considered that an opportunity for God to be glorified no matter what happens. There's something about being a prisoner of Jesus Christ that causes you to think differently about being a prisoner. All of a sudden, you're not so concerned with with life's temporary hardships. You're focused on an eternal glory. When Jesus is your master and you are his prisoner, your perspective on this life shifts to one that that reflects his sovereignty in all things. God's in control. So to the parent here this morning or watching online, who feels like a failure as a parent, who feels like their kids are dominating them. Are you a prisoner to your kids or are you a prisoner to Jesus? If you're a prisoner of Jesus, then you're going to find that the grace of God that he offers you is available in your family. That grace is available to your kids. That grace is available to help get you through that difficult time. What about this? I think this may hit a little more home for some people here in this room. What about those of you who are trying to care for a loved one who is elderly? You're filled with anxiety. You're filled with fear. Maybe even frustration because it's hard. When you're a prisoner of Jesus, then your whole perspective on life changes, and all of a sudden you see the grace of God continue to carry you through. He carries you through those difficult, difficult days. You know, we're in this, in this COVID-19 time period, and our world is full of fear and it's full of, 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 of uncertainty. Well, are you a prisoner of fear or are you a prisoner of Jesus? If you're a prisoner of fear, then oftentimes the tendency is for us to, to kind of retreat into a shell and kind of try to push the world out. You stay out there. I'm going to hide back in here. But if you're a prisoner of Jesus, then what you're doing is you're looking around for where God's working, and you join him in that work because you understand he's got a plan something he wants to do. And the list can go on and on and on and on. Who or what are you a prisoner to? And if it's anything besides Jesus, if it's anything besides Jesus, then you are missing out on some of the greatest joys in life. Because listen, even though your life, just like Paul, might be tough, and even though your heart might be broken over and over again, If Jesus is your master, then your attitude towards problems, your attitude towards suffering in life is going to be completely different. You might be sitting there and you're thinking, okay, well, this sounds all great, but how do I make sure I'm a prisoner of Jesus? How do I make sure I'm a prisoner? How do I know if I'm a prisoner of Jesus? Because let's be honest, we can look at this example of Paul and think, man, I want to be a prisoner of Jesus like Paul was, but I, I don't know if I could do the things that he did. I don't know that I could suffer the way that he did. I don't know that I could sacrifice the way that he did. I just want to ask three very simple questions here that can be a guiding force for you, okay? Very simple questions. Number one, what's your perspective? What's your perspective? You see, as humans, when it comes to life, there are only one of two perspectives that we can have. We can can focus on this earth or we can focus on the life to come, right? We focus on what's going on now or we focus on the permanent, the eternal, The earthly mindset is concerned with the here and now, what I've got, what I'm doing, what's going on around me. But the heavenly mindset is one that's eternity-driven. The picture gets bigger. We see what God's doing, what, what God has planned for the future. 
earthly mindset versus heavenly mindset. Paul was heavenly minded. Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Here's what he says. But one thing I do, one focus I've got, forgetting what's behind, right? Forgetting what's behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul's mindset is heavenly minded. He's got the perspective that life is but a vapor and he's looking forward to heaven. What about you? Are you overly concerned with what you're going to eat? with what clothes you're going to wear, what size house you want to live in, the amount of money in your bank account or, or in your 401k? Are you more concerned with the comfort that this world can give you? And listen, those are good things. Those can be good things. But if you sacrifice the eternal on the altar of the temporal, then you are sure to be left unfulfilled and dissatisfied with life. So what's your perspective? Earthly-minded or heavenly-minded? A prisoner of Jesus will see the mission and the will of God as exciting, as something they want to be involved in, and they'll also see the hope of heaven, and it will be precious to them. Oh, I've got something coming in the future that is precious. Secondly, what's your attitude? So not only what's your perspective, but what's your attitude? At no point in, in all of life's, uh, Paul's ministry do we get the sense that he had an attitude that he was owed something. Look at how great I am. Look at how everything I've done. You owe me something. We never see that at all. Um, he, he, didn't, he didn't mope around about the things that he didn't like about his church. He wrote about, um, he wrote about the false doctrine. He called it out, yes. Uh, Paul didn't expect everybody to wait on him hand, or hand and foot and expect him to jump at his call. When I read about Paul, I get the sense that Paul had an attitude that was different from many Christians that we find in the church today. But this attitude that Paul had came because he saw himself as a prisoner of Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, Paul says that he had learned to be, I love this, get this. He says, I have learned to be content no matter the circumstances. I've learned to be content no matter the circumstances. You know, it takes a special kind of person to be content no matter what happens in life. An attitude of con contentment is the realization that life is more peaceful, joyous, and fulfilling when we are content with Jesus. Because I can be content with all kinds of things for a while, but the ultimate contentment in life is only going to be found in Jesus. A prisoner of Jesus is going to realize that contentment comes from being sold out to whatever it is that Jesus leads them to do. So when, when Jesus leads us to do something, we go all in for it. And that's where we find contentment. That's where we find joy. But more than that, a, a prisoner of Jesus is going to realize that contentment comes just because Jesus is our good master. Our contentment's not found... We do find contentment in what we do for Jesus, but our contentment's found in him, ultimately. So what's your attitude? Is it one of contentment, no matter the circumstances, like it was for Paul, where you trust in the sovereignty of God? God, you are sovereign. I know you are sovereign, so I'll trust in you. Then lastly, number three, what's your posture? How do I know, how do I know if I'm a prisoner of Jesus? So I would say, well, what's your posture? I'm not talking about whether you stand up straight or whether you slouch, okay? What I'm talking about here is completely different. If you look at all throughout the Pauline epistles, which are the letters that, that Paul wrote that we have in the Bible, we see many examples of the humility that Paul had 
If you just look at Ephesians chapter 3 here, and here in a couple of weeks we're going to get to verse 14 where it says, I bow my knees before the Father. That's the kind of, that's the kind of posture that he had. And when a person bows down to another person, they're placing the worth of that person over the worth that they give themselves. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but Paul was somebody. He was somebody special. In fact, before he was saved, he had built up quite a resume. Um, He knew the Jewish law backward and forward. He had been taught by Gamaliel, the the greatest Jewish teacher of of this time period. Paul had been the guy that everybody wanted to be. And to hear Paul talk before he was saved, he thought he was somebody. He thought he was something special. But now all of that has changed because he is now not his own. He is Jesus' prisoner. Now the one who had reason, he, the one who had reason to boast and all those accomplishments that he had built up, now all that he simply has to say is, you know what? Not I, but Christ. Not me, but Christ. That's it. Not I, but Christ. So what's your posture? Are you standing up like you are somebody? Or are you bowing your knees before the Father like you're a nobody? A prisoner of Jesus is humbly committed to putting Jesus first in all things. I hope you're a prisoner of Jesus this morning. I hope you're a prisoner of Jesus. And if you're not, then why are you not? Is it your doubt that's holding you back? Is it your comfort in this world that's holding you back? What's holding you back? I think about Jesus right after he finished feeding so many people. Those people come back the next day and they want more food. And Jesus doesn't give it to them. And so they get mad and they leave him. Jesus sees them walk away and he turns around. His disciples are standing right there and he says, Are you going to leave me too? What does Peter say? Where else can I go? (laughs) You're the one that has the words of eternal life. Where else can I go? Maybe another way to put that is, why would I not be a prisoner of you, Jesus? That's where I'm going to find fulfillment. That's where I'm going to find hope for heaven. I certainly hope you will, like Paul, consider making yourself a prisoner of Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father, may we all seek out what it looks like to be a prisoner of Jesus. We don't want to be enslaved to the things of this world. We want to be enslaved in your service, doing as you lead us. Father, we love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.